welcome back to the Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCreary. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Packers-Titans game from last night. I'm also going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers and the MVP race and why I think right now he's the clear-cut favorite, or he should be the clear-cut favorite to win the MVP award. I'm also going to be talking about the Jaguars and them clinching the number one overall pick. Then I'm going to uh, transition talking about the NBA, talking about the Mavericks-Clippers game from yesterday. And then I want to I finish off the podcast talking about the Golden State Warriors and their rough start they've had this season. But let's go ahead. Let's kick off this episode with the Packers-Titans game. Um, that was last night, Sunday Night Football. This was the matchup. The Packers ended up winning 40-14. to and they just dominated the Titans um, on both sides of the ball. They were awesome. And the Titans were really, really bad, especially on offense. I mean, they weren't even they weren't good defensively. But I think their performance on offense was really, really concerning. Um, and their passing offense was abysmal in this game. I mean, they only, they only averaged 3.7 yards per pass. Ryan Tannehill struggled. He had two turnovers. Uh, two interceptions where he made some really, really bad reads. Um, there were, I know there was one throw where he made a throw on the run, uh, on, on the run towards the right side of the field. Tried to make a throw in a really tight window. Um, he didn't re- uh, lead his receiver, um, and he, he ended up getting intercepted. Um, but he, he just wasn't that great this entire game. I know he had uh, a long touchdown run, and he ended up having a nice touchdown pass to, uh, to Johnny Smith on like a corner route in in the red zone, uh, but he just he made too many mistakes. Their passing offense wasn't efficient enough, um, and the turnovers killed them. But even their run in their their run game was okay. I mean, it was pretty efficient. Five point eight yards per rush. Um, Derrick Henry was solid. He was okay. Um, but their struggles in the passing game just killed their offense. And it's, it's the reason why they only put up 14 points. And the Packers' defense isn't that good. It's not like they have an elite defense. It's not. like they The Titans should have been able to run the ball. And I understand that it was snowing, that the weather was not the best. It, it, it wasn't the best situation to be able to put up a lot of points. But the Packers did it. The Packers threw the ball just fine. And they ran the ball just fine too. So I see no reason why the Titans shouldn't have been able to do the same. Considering the defense they were going up against. Um, And then on defense, they struggled as well. Especially in man coverage. Uh, The Packers just dominated them. uh, When they got, when they had one-on-one situations in man coverage. You know, uh, Equinemia St. Brown had a touchdown catch. Devontae Adams, he went off. Um, and then in the run game, A.J. Dillon, he had, had a majority of the carries, and he played really well. But the Packers' offense was awesome. They had 448 total yards, 27 first downs. They had 12 more first downs than the Tennessee Titans did, uh, and they averaged 7.1 yards per play. That is awesome. And then A.J. Dillon, I mentioned he played really well. He had 21 carries for 124 yards, 5.9 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. He hasn't been used a lot uh, as a during his rookie year this season, and that's because the Packers already have Aaron Jones. Like they already have a really, really good running back, one of the better running backs in the NFL. Uh, so he had just there haven't been a lot of carries for AJ Dillon. 
Um, I, I believe that Aaron Jones got hurt last night, and so A.J. Dillon got a majority of the carries, and he played it really, really well. Showed off his raw power. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers, he was great. He completed 21 of 25 passes for 231 yards, 9.2 yards per pass, 4 touchdowns, only 1 interception, and a QBR of 90.7. That's incredible. And then Devontae Adams, he was the star of the show. Had 11 receptions. 142 receiving yards, 12.9 yards per catch, and three touchdowns, and and he he was awesome. I mean, he was killing everybody um, in man coverage. Just just a special performance by him. And Devontae Adams might end up winning the Offensive Player of the Year award. I mean, there's a couple of guys that are going to be up for it, like him, Travis Kelsey, uh, Derrick Henry, uh, Dalvin Cook, maybe Alvin Kamara, though. He has only started 10 games, um, and I think that Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry both have better arguments, um, but he, he'll be up there, so we'll see what happens with Devontae Adams. He could end up taking that award home. Also, Patrick Mahomes will be up for, for that award, because um, I don't think he's going to win MVP, but this game made me a weary about the Titans' chances to to actually win the Super Bowl. They had a great playoff run last year um, on the back of Derrick Henry's playoff performance where he, he was just dominant in the playoffs. No one could stop him. Um, but now, like, with this game, this is really concerning. And I th- the Packers were favored by only three and a half points. They ended up winning by 26 and the Titans, they couldn't pass the ball. They were turning the ball over. Um, their defense wasn't good in man coverage. They couldn't stop the run. And so, in, in the Packers, they're a good team, but they're also flawed. Uh, they got a really good offense, a really good balanced offense. They have one of the best receivers in the NFL. And they have the best receiver in the NFL this season. Or, or the best performing receiver this season. And, but their defense isn't that good. Um, they can't really stop the run, so that concerns. It concerns me a lot that the Titans weren't able to run the ball in this game, or pa- or they were able to run the ball, but it concerns me that they weren't able to pass the ball efficient efficiently. I um, mean, they were turning the ball over. Um, that's concerning, and, and I think teams that can run the ball effectively while also being able to pass um, and, and stop the run on defense, those teams are going to give the Titans trouble. And so, I think they're going to struggle in the playoffs. I think they're going to be an early exit. And, and this game made me we really, it, it concerned me. Uh, because the Titans should not have lost to, by 26 points to the Packers. The Packers are good, but they're they're flawed. They have their flaws. And so, um, this game is, is concerning for the Titans' chances moving forward um, in terms of them being able to contend for the Super Bowl. Alright, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. In the MVP, uh, in the MVP race, I believe that Aaron Rodgers is the clear-cut uh, favorite to win the MVP. He should be at least. Um, he's been unbelievable this year. And just l- listen to these stats. I tweeted this out on Twitter earlier today. Um, he's averaging twenty two hundred and seventy point six yards per game this year, which is eighth in the league. Uh, 2.93 touchdowns per game, that's first. Uh, 0.33 interceptions per game, which is, like, around third or fourth among, like, 
among quarterbacks because it's kind of hard. I couldn't get a concrete placement because on Pro Football Reference, when I sorted my interceptions per game, it has a lot of guys that are not quarterbacks, like a lot of receivers that have attempted passes, and it's got some, some quarterbacks who just haven't played a lot. So I don't really know where he places in quarterbacks that will be... Uh, uh, that would be available for this stat. Uh, but that's a really, really low number. And I know that among qualify, among, among quarterbacks that qualify, uh, for this kind of stat, uh, that have like enough attempts that he would at least be top five in the statistical category. And then with his completion percentage is 70.3%, which is incredible. Second in the league behind Drew Brees. Uh, his, his touchdown rate is 8.8%, that's first. His interception rate is 1%, really low, and that's third in the league. Behind Patrick Mahomes, or he's tied with Mahomes for second. Um, and then number one is Tua with like 0.5. Tua just does not turn the ball over at all. Uh, it is incredible, his turnover numbers. Uh, and then his adjusted yards per attempt is 9.4, that's second. His adjusted net yards per attempt, that's 8.7. Adjusted yards per attempt is a long formula that basically it, you get credit, it like, it, it adds a, or it puts a point total on touchdowns, um, and then it takes away points for interceptions. Um, I like adjusted yards per attempt and, and adjusted net yards per attempt. It takes into consideration uh, like sacks and the amount of yards you lose from sacks along with like your attempts. Uh, so that's basically what that is. You can look it up. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but his adjusted net yards per attempt is 8.7. That's first. And then his QBR is 83.9. That's first. And QBR takes into account uh, expected points added EP or EPA as is known is is what it's known as. Um, it's a good stat. And he's first in that. And his team is 12 and 3. So He's like, he's like top five in all these stats and then top 10 in yards per game. And he's just been dominant. And he's been great. Um, and I use these stats. I don't use totals. I think totals are just, they're not great statistics. Um, because it doesn't take into account guys missing games. It doesn't take into account, uh, players, like what kind of offense they play in. Like at one point this year, Justin Hurt, it was like early, early in the season, uh, when Tua became the starter, it was like three to five games into his season. Um, and Tua and Justin Herbert, their totals, their total numbers were completely different. Like Justin Herbert's total numbers at the time blew Tua's out of the water. But Tua's stats were actually really, really impressive considering the offense he was playing in because he wasn't attempting that many passes. Um, but he was really, really efficient. He wasn't turning the ball over. And at the time, I thought that Tua's stats were just as impressive as Justin Herbert's, despite, uh, how much better Herbert's total numbers were. Because when you look at it on a per attempt basis, and when you look at, like, the per game numbers, I thought Tua was really, really impressive. But... I think Rodgers' advanced statistics have been great this year, and they point to him being the MVP. Um, a few weeks ago, it was really close between Rodgers and Mahomes. I think Rodgers had a slight edge a few weeks ago. Now it's much more clear that Rodgers um, deserves the MVP over Mahomes. There are other players that deserve to be in the conversation as well, uh, but I think 
Rodgers definitely deserves it. His team is winning. They're the number one seed in the NFC. Um, actually, are they in, are they the number one seed? Let me look at this NFL playoff uh, picture. Let's look because I actually don't know. I might be wrong. Let's see. Looking on NFL, I thought maybe the Saints. Okay, no, the Packers are now the number one seed in the in the NFC. Rodgers has been dominant. I mean, he's top five to top ten in every statistical category. It feels like um, the eighty three point nine QBR is awesome. I mean, he's been playing at such an elite level this year. Um, he's making throws on the run. I mean, he's just so accurate. And the completion percentage is really impressive. And I don't love completion percentage as a stat because it can be it can be easily manipulated by an offensive scheme. Like if you run a bunch of a bunch of screens, uh, your completion percentage is going to look better. Or if you uh, if you if you're not throwing the ball deep down the field, if you're not attacking all three levels of the field, and you're just you're dinking and dunking your way down uh, the field, your completion percentage is likely going to look better. But like Rodgers is second in adjusted yards per attempt. With 9.4, uh, which indicates that he's throwing the ball deep down the field. He's not just dinking and dunking and hitting his checkdowns. And when you take that into consideration, his completion percentage is incredible. I mean, 70.3 with Rodgers' play style. Like, he's a gunslinger. He, he'll move out of the pocket, make throws on the run. So, he's been so statistically impressive this year. And when you watch him play, like, it's obvious that he's... Been playing at a higher level than he has been in the last couple of years. I think Rodgers has been dominant in the season. He deserves the MVP award. He's been incredible. Alright, let's talk about the Jaguars and them clinching the number one overall pick. So, last week, the New York Jets, they had control of the number one overall pick. Then they beat the Los Angeles Rams. So, the Jaguars took control of it. Um, the Jets lost control of the number one overall pick. They still had a chance to get it. They just, at the time, they no longer had control of the number one overall pick. And then, um, this week, the Jets won once again. They beat the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and the Jaguars, they lost. They got destroyed by the Bears. So, the Jaguars, they clinched the number one overall pick. And it looks like they're going to take uh, Trevor Lawrence, They should, or, or at least a quarterback. It's going to likely be Trevor Lawrence, uh, but they, they got to take him. Like I, I guarantee they draft Trevor Lawrence. They have to. Minshew is, he's like, he's not that great. I mean, he's like, meh. Um, I'd say he's probably around uh, between 20 and the 25th best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and that's just not good enough because I, I mean I think that Trevor Lawrence is like his ceiling is like he's gonna I think he's gonna be one of the the five best quarterbacks in the NFL someday, um, and so with that ceiling you gotta take him, and and you can figure everything else later. Uh, I like Minshew. He he's I think he had a really good rookie year this year. He's, he's actually been slightly better, but even then he's still only like like the twenty to twenty fifth best quarterback. I don't think that's good enough for you to ever be a contender in the NFL. Um, and, and he was, like, he's overachieved. Like, he was a sixth-round pick uh, coming out, so he's overachieved. I think he's got some some trade value. You can, you can trade him for a mid-round pick. 
Um, and that'll be great. So you can just turn him into draft capital. The Jaguars can draft Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. They got their franchise quarterback. This is a great situation for the Jaguars. Like, they have won the 2020 season by being the worst team in the league. Because now they're going to get uh, a, a generational talent. Uh, with the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence, and, and this is great for the for the Jaguars. I do want to talk about the Jets and Jets fans. Listen, losing out on Trevor Lawrence sucks, but there are other quarterbacks in this draft that are special too, like Zach Wilson out of BYU, Justin Fields from Ohio State, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. All three of those guys are, I think, franchise quarterbacks. Like they all have special ability they all got great physical tools they're very very good quarterbacks and I think they're like all three of them have the talent and the physical capabilities to be franchise quarterbacks in the NFL so although you lost out on the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes you still can get yourselves a franchise quarterback if that's the path you want to take now, I understand why the Jets will would consider rolling with Sam Darnold and building the team around him, getting an offensive tackle with the number two pick, getting a new head coach, and trying to see if they can um, kind of get Darnold back on track and see where he can take them. I personally wouldn't because I just... Sam Darnold, I get that he hasn't been put in the best situation, uh... But still, like, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year, um, and arguably the worst. Uh, it's probably either him or Wentz, um, but he's been one of the worst starting quarterbacks. Like, of the guys that are, are starting on a consistent basis, he's been one of the worst. Um, and so, I get that he doesn't have a, a lot of weapons, uh, but... And he doesn't have a great coaching staff. That's the biggest issue, the coaching staff. I think the roster isn't awful. Like, he's got Denzel Mims, who is a good rookie, who is going to be really, really good uh, in the future. Makai um, Becton has been looking like a franchise uh, left tackle. He's been awesome. Uh, running back is thin there. Uh, their offensive line isn't great, but I like what they have with Becton. I think they got a good base, a good foundation there. Um but they got decent receivers, like, uh, who's the Jamison Crowder? He's solid. Um, so, it's not like they don't have anything on offense. I think the main issue is the coaching staff. And even with that, like, Sam Darnold has not been consistent enough for me to say, yes, this is my franchise quarterback going forward. I just feel much more comfortable, like, way more comfortable going with Zach Wilson Fields, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance with the number two overall pick. I think right now, uh, now, I'm not going to say who I would go with right now because I just, I don't want to say anything or, or like say anything concrete or form a concrete opinion yet because this, the college season's not over uh, and there's more to be done. Like with Justin Fields, uh, he's got more that, he's got more to do. Uh, his season isn't over. He can, he can impress me in the playoffs. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the Jets, like, I, I get why Jets fans are so disappointed, why they're really upset, but look, it's not over, uh, like, the number one overall pick, or the first quarterback taken, uh, isn't always the best quarterback, like, Patrick Mahomes, he was the third quarterback taken, and he's been amazing, um, he's been downright special, w- wait, was he the third? Maybe in the second, 
anyway, he wasn't the first quarterback taken, and now he's the best player in the, in the National Football League. And, like, Lamar Jackson, he was the last pick of the first round, and he won an MVP. So, just because you aren't the first quarterback taken doesn't mean that like, your quarterback's going to suck. It doesn't mean your quarterback can't be the best quarterback in, in the draft class, because they definitely can. Uh, so, Jets fans, please, like, I get why you're upset. It sucks that you lost out on Trevor, but you still have good options. you got a good foundation. You just got to, your front office just has to make some smart decisions with, like, who's going to be their next coach. Are they going to fire Adam Gase? I assume they will. Um, but they just got to make smart decisions in the draft and in free agency uh, moving forward, and they got to get a good head coach and uh, a good GM if they decide to clean house. Alright, let's finish this off talking about the NBA. Uh, first, let's talk about Clippers and Mavericks. That game, uh, it happened last yesterday uh, during the afternoon. The Mavericks just destroyed the Clippers. They won 124-73, to beat them by 51 points. And, wow, I mean, I just, I can't believe this. Like, if I was an NBA player and we lost by 51 points, I would legitimately consider retiring. And I get that the Clippers didn't have Kawhi Leonard uh, because he was out after getting elbowed by Sunjabaka uh, in in the game prior to this. But like the Clippers were awful. The Mavericks weren't even great. I mean they they played, they were fine, but it wasn't like they were dominant. Like their shooting percentages were they were they were good, but they weren't like like they were incredible. Um, the Clippers just, they couldn't hit shots. Like, they shot 4 for 33, uh, from 3-point range. That's 12.1%. They hit just 12.1% of their 3-point attempts. And they shot 33 of them. That's incredible. Like, that is impressive. Like, that, that's so awful that it's impressive. Um, but, I mean, I just can't believe the Clippers played this bad. They were terrible. They lost by 51. They were losing by 50 at halftime. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how it's possible for an NBA team to be losing by 50 points at halftime. And they nearly broke the record for the least amount of points scored in, the, in, in a first quarter. Because they scored 13 points. Was it more? It might have been more. I have to look it up. I want to actually see what the record is. What is the record for least amount of points scored in an NBA quarter? Let's just go for quarter. Oh, okay. Never mind. It wasn't even close. I forgot that a team, a team, oh my gosh, the Dallas Mavericks in 1997 scored two points. The Golden State Warriors also did this in 2004. Two points? How do you do that? Like, like, how do you not accidentally hit two shots? Or, like, I don't even know if this was from free throws. That's crazy. But, yeah, so the, the Mavericks just destroyed the Clippers. The Mavericks were good. They weren't, like, anything special. It wasn't like they were hitting all their shots. It wasn't like they were hitting an outlier amount of their three-point attempts. They just, the Clippers just sucked. Um, they couldn't hit a shot. That was the main issue. Uh, Luka played well. I think, did he have a triple-double? I know he was flirting with the triple-double early in that game. Let's see if he did get that. Uh, no, missed out. Uh, only had 24 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. And he didn't play all that well. He only shot 8 for 18 from the field. 0 for 5 from 
uh, from three-point range. Um, but he was productive uh, in terms of like his assist numbers and his, and his and rebounding. Um, but like the plus-minus numbers for the Mavericks are crazy. Like uh, Finney Smith had a plus-minus of plus twenty-five. Powell plus twelve. Uh, Luca plus twenty-nine. Tim Hardaway Jr. plus twenty-seven. Josh Richardson plus twenty-two. Willie Collison had a plus-minus of plus thirty-one. No one had a negative plus-minus. And let's look at let's look at the plus-minuses of everyone on the Clippers roster. So, Luke Kennard had a plus-minus of minus 29, Paul George, minus 22, Beverly, uh, negative 23, Batum, negative 17, Abaka, negative 14, and on the bench, uh, Zubak had a plus-minus of negative 33, uh, and Terrence Mann had a plus-minus of negative 29. Uh, no one on the Clippers scored 20 points, only three scored double digits. Wow, that is just, just terrible. And only th- only two players for the Mavericks scored 20 points. And uh, that's Luka and Josh Richardson. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. had 18 points. Brunson had 11. Uh, Brunson, he had a good game. He had a good game. Uh, but yeah, that's just incredible. And, and it's not like the Clippers turned the ball over a lot. Like, they had, they have 14 turnovers. The Mavericks had eight, so it wasn't like a, a huge difference. Um, I, I just don't really understand how, I mean, I, I get it, like, they just hit, like, so few of their shots, but that's just impressive that they lost this much. They did get out-rebounded by like, they have 42 rebounds, the Mavericks have 58. But that shouldn't lead, that shouldn't correlate to, like, a 51-point loss. So, yeah, that's crazy. Um, that's just impressive that they that they got beat by 51 points. Uh, and, and I know Paul George, after the game, said basically that the game didn't matter. In the long run, like, looking at the big picture, he's right. Uh, but I kind of would, I don't think he's wrong. I just don't know if I would say that if I were him. Like, I would be really pissed if I, if I lost by 51 points, and I probably would have, uh, like, he's, like, one of the leaders of the team, so he, I would have said something like, we gotta play better, like, losing by 51 points is unacceptable. Like, that would have been my answer, not, this game doesn't matter. Like, he's, he's not wrong, but also you lost by 51 points. Like, you should be at least a bit concerned even though you're losing your best player, I get that. You lost by 51 points. You should be a little bit, a little bit concerned about that. And you should be just slightly pissed off. Alright, let's finish off the podcast talking about the Warriors and their rough start. And what a, what a rough start it's been. Uh, they've been really bad. I know they just won. They just beat the Bulls last night on a game winner from Damian Lee. Shout out to Damian Lee. Big shot. Uh, I'm happy for him. But... It's been a rough start for the Warriors. Uh, they lost their first two games. They're one and two. Uh, their first two games, they played the Nets and the Bucks, and they got destroyed um, in both of those games. And this Warriors roster is really, really bad. Um, and them not having Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, it's gonna hurt. And it, it like they're gonna be really, really bad this year. Um, I, I don't think they're gonna be one of the worst teams in the league. But they're going to be middle of the pack. And it's because they just don't have anybody besides Steph. They don't have a reliable secondary ball handler or a secondary shot creator. 
Um, and, and, and that's disappointing because they have Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, who they're not bad basketball players. They're not. Like, you don't score almost 20 points per game in the NBA if you suck. And actually, Andrew Wiggins might have averaged more than, like, 18 points per game. Let's see what he's been averaging over the last couple of years. Let me pull this up on Pro Basketball Reference. So, like, last year, Andrew Wiggins averaged 20 points per game. Um, and the shooting percentages weren't, like, great. Um, but, uh, you, know, you don't score 20 points. You don't average 20 points in the best basketball league on the planet if you if you suck. Like if you score, if you're averaging twenty a game, you're not the worst. Pl- you're not awful. And then Kelly Oubre, he's been struggling, and, and he's not bad either. Like he's a good defender, someone who can spread the floor a little bit. Um, and he he averaged what did he average? I don't. He didn't average twenty. Let me see what he averaged last year. Let's see. And I know per game stats aren't the greatest, but. Like, we're just going to have to roll with this. So, he averaged 20... He averaged 18.7 points per game last year. Um, I wonder what his true shooting percentage was. Let's see. His true shooting percentage was 56. That That's okay. That's solid. That's definitely solid. Uh, but the, both of those guys aren't terrible basketball players. And they haven't been for the last couple of years. But they have been awful the first three games. And... And, like, Andrew Wiggins' decision-making is so, so poor. Um, he'll attack the basket, but, and, and, and he'll, he'll take really, really bad shots at the rim when he's contested instead of, like, kicking it out to a teammate. Um, he's not a very good playmaker. Uh, he doesn't really understand his limitations as an offensive player, and he's not very good defensively. Um, and and then Kelly Oubre just can't hit a shot to save his life this season. He's like 0 for 17 from 3 on the season. He's been struggling. He has been pretty good defensively, uh, but he just can't hit his shots. And then Eric Pascal, he's been bad. Um, just the decision making from Wiggins and Pascal is just horrendous. And and James Wiseman, he hasn't. He's been like pretty decent so far. Uh, but he's too early in his development to be much more than a rim runner and someone who can, uh, like, play, who can, like, play pick-and-pop sets and, like, hit, hit shots. Um, but, like, he's, he doesn't know what he's doing. His decision-making is an issue by itself. Um, and he's, like, probably, he's been their, their second-best player so far this season. And that's saying something. Like, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre have been awful. Pascal's been terrible. Uh, Curry has been awesome. But I, I, I'm sure that his numbers look really rough. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting... I'm looking it up right now. I'm expecting his true shooting percentage to be, uh, like, a bit poor. Like, to be below average. Like, relative to his standards. Let's see. What are they? So in three game, in three games, he his true shooting percentage. It, that's adjusted shooting. All right, his true shooting percentage. Is, yeah, it's like fifty three percent. That's really bad for Steph Curry. Um, like the last, like in twenty eighteen, in the 2018-2019 season, his true shooting percentage was sixty four percent. And considering his the degree of the degree of difficulty 
of his three-point shots, that's really impressive. He's been, he hasn't been bad. I think the numbers don't paint an accurate picture of of his season so far. He has nothing around him. They're and like like I mentioned earlier. They don't have a reliable shot creator. They don't have a reliable secondary ball handler who can take the pressure off of Steph Curry, allow him to play off the ball, and 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 they don't have anyone that's a good decision maker around Steph Curry. They don't have anyone that can make high IQ basketball plays. So, um, the Warriors they're in a rough a rough position. They don't have the depth they used to have in 2016, um, like before Durant got there. And, and they just don't have... They, they, this roster is just so bad. And I feel terrible for Steph Curry because he, he's he been okay, uh, but it's really hard to succeed when you don't have anyone around you that can, you know, make good decisions with the basketball in their hands or, or just that can hit shots. And, and there's, like, narratives are starting to come out that Steph Curry's legacy is on the line, that Steph Curry sucks, and... The Steph Curry narratives are so stupid. Like, someone that has won back-to-back MVPs, someone that has won the only unanimous MVP in NBA history and has also won three championships, their legacy is not on the line. Like, they don't have to prove themselves. They've already done enough. Like, if Steph Curry retired today, he would be a, a one of the 30 greatest players of all time, and he'd be a Hall of Famer. Like, he doesn't have to do anything else in his career, and he's already an all-time great. So, like, these narratives coming out on social media, they're stupid. If anyone believes that Steph Curry has more to prove, they're stupid. And, and I hate to be so negative about people, but if you legitimately believe that Steph Curry has more to prove and that his legacy is somehow defined by the 2020-2021 NBA season... Like, you're stupid. And, and, and I'm sorry to have to say that. I'm sorry to be so blunt. But the fact is, Steph Curry, his his legacy is cemented. Like, he's an all-time great. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. He has three rings, two MVPs, back-to-back MVPs. And he succeeded without other superstars on his team. Like, he, he didn't win three rings with Durant. He won one before Durant even got there. And he already led... The Warriors to the playoffs, to deep playoff runs, uh, even before Clay Thompson and Draymond Green be- became who they were, like who they'd end up becoming. So, like the Steph Curry narratives are stupid, and like it, it, please don't look, don't read too much into the stat sheet and in the in the box score numbers when you look at Steph Curry's season at the end of the year, because Steph Curry is doing it is doing everything on his own. Um, no one else can handle the ball, no one else can make shots, no one else can make good decisions besides Steph Curry on this Warriors roster. Uh, Wiseman has been, he's been solid, but even, like, he's too early in his development to be relied on to have a, a, a big offensive role. Um, and their defense is terrible, I didn't even mention that, like, their defense is poor, guys are out of position all the time. Um, so this is gonna be a rough year for the Warriors, but... Uh, just please, keep, keep your Steph Curry narratives to yourself. Steph Curry doesn't suck. His legacy isn't on the line. He's done enough throughout his career. He's an all-time great player. This season is just, it's rough. And it's going to be very difficult for the Warriors. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. Um, 
it's going to be tough for them to do that. Uh, but yeah, and, and listen, like, everyone that has, every superstar that has ever won a championship has needed a second fiddle. Like, Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen. Now, I know Scottie Pippen wasn't great when he won his first title, but Michael Jordan did need Scottie to win six titles. He needed Scottie Pippen. LeBron needed Dwayne Wade. He also needed Kyrie Irving, and he needed Anthony Davis. So, like, no one has ever, like, won titles without a, without, like, no Batman has ever won a title without their Robin. Like, everyone needs help. No one can do it on alone. Now, LeBron has gotten close. Allen Iverson got close in 2001. Uh, but still, like, LeBron got swept. AI got beaten five games. And there was some fishy officiating that helped AI get to that point in the first place. So, the, the Steph Curry narratives need to stop. And I feel bad for the Warriors. I feel bad for Steph Curry. Like, this is going to be a rough year for him. I hope that Clay Thompson comes back next year and plays at a high level. Cause I feel terrible for him, like having the like dealing with a torn ACL in both knees, uh, or in one knee and then did he, did he? No, he tore his Achilles. That's what he did. So I, I feel I feel terrible for Clay Thompson. But yeah, so that's pretty much all I got for today. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode, uh, and I will see y'all next time. Peace. <laughs>